was preparing, I just felt like there was a number of people who you're, you're, you're fearful about something for the year. It's like you're fearful either about the year as a whole, or you're fearful about something specific at the moment, but there's just a lot of, I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm worried about it. You know, and as I was praying about that, I felt like what you need to know right now um, is, and the most important thing for you to know right now, is that no matter what happens, even if the worst case scenario does happen, God is still good. And I realized how being established in on that um, uh, uh, truth helps you overcome whatever challenge comes your way. You know, like it doesn't matter what goes wrong, God is still good because He didn't cause the wrong, but He can help you in the wrong to kind of overcome it. You know, and I felt like Him just like encouraging you to, to focus in on the fact that He's with you. You know, the Word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It says that God is for us, not against us. So if you take that He's for me, He's not against me, and He's with me, then it doesn't matter what you face, um, you, you, you can get through it because you've got Him. And so, you know, the, the, the encouragement is to focus in on Him and change your perspective about the situation that you're facing or about the questions that you've got about the year ahead. Um, because He wants to help you uh, uh, thrive, but there's going to be some challenges, I'm sure, which will cause you not to thrive, um, that will try to make you not to thrive, let's say. If you, the best example that we all know is of, of COVID, where some people thrive big time through the season of COVID. Uh, because they changed the perspective on it, and some people didn't, you know. And it, it, it kind of negatively affected everyone at some point, but for some people, it also was a positive thing, um, because they uh, changed certain things with it. But anyhow, I really just felt like with that, just uh, be encouraged, God's with you, and you'll get through this. So... Last week we were talking about like goals and we were talking about what we want to grow in. And, and um, one of the things that, that, that I think is obvious for any believer um, is, and I've met some unbelievers who say the same thing, and that is that they want to grow in their relationship with God. And so I was meditating on that and thinking, how do we grow in our relationship with God? It's a very a basic question, but I think it's important to ask the question because I think a lot of people would have the wrong answer. Okay, so you think about it for now. I'm not going to ask you to say your answer in case you're wrong. But, but uh, I think how does growth in, rela in relationship with God or in spirituality, how does growth work? How, how, what does growth look like? I think it's a good question to ask. Beyond that, I was thinking about how, how do we actually measure that growth? Because you, know, you want to be able to see, oh, I've grown so much in the last... Yeah, it's like um, when um, um, Henku um, is um, working out, he takes his tape measure with him to gym and he measures his biceps because he wants to see the increase, right? <laughs> okay, he wants to see the improvement, okay? Um, and so, like, we want to be able to measure our growth and, and um, if you think about it, like, I think most people would measure their growth by what they feel. Like... You look at, you, at the end of a year and you look back at the, the year that's come and you're like, wow, I feel so good about this year. And you, you, you automatically equate that with growth when it might not be. You know, it could be the most challenging year you've ever had and yet the most growth you've had. You don't feel good about a year, but you, you're doing good because of the year. So we have to know, like we can't measure growth by feelings. When we do, we're immature, actually. 
When we're judging ourselves by our feelings, how we feel about ourselves, then we're going to measure incorrectly. So how do we measure correctly? You know, we might measure by experiences then. And I think that's also immature because if, if we're measuring by feelings or we're measuring by experiences, I feel good or I, I just had this wonderful experience in, in worship or I don't know, what, whatever your experience you would say. Like often, you know, the, those kind of things can come and go, right? Like you can have a great experience at a restaurant and you can have a bad experience at a restaurant, the same restaurant, different day, same waiter, same chef. It can be bad, it can be, it can be great. The same thing in terms of feelings. You could be uh, 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 doing your favorite thing in the whole world, whatever that is, with your favorite person, and you can feel great about it, or you might not. And so, you know, your feelings go up and down, and, and they're not constant, and neither is experience. Okay? Um, yeah, even just in terms of sitting in this hall, uh, those of you that have come on numerous occasions have been hot or cold. <laughs> you know, there's no constant experience in life, really. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's, it's immaturity to, to measure our growth by experiences or feelings. And the problem with immaturity is it sets us up, number one, for deception. And it sets us up for a shaking. Okay, uh, 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 Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 is it working up there? Ah, well done. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. Now, we have to pause there. We looked at this verse last week. And the verses before that are talking about there's leadership gifting in the church. And the purpose of leaders in the church is to equip the saints, equip the believers for the work of the ministry. It says to fulfill your purpose. But also this is saying equip you to become mature. And so the purpose of going to church, the purpose of being part of a church is to mature, to grow up. Okay? So, what it, and then it says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Now, I was thinking about it in terms of children. Uh, children are always vulnerable. Children are vulnerable. You can think of many things that they could be vulnerable uh, to. Um, but then it says, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Why would you not be tossed about by different teachings? Because you've been established on the Word. So there's already a good, a good uh, indicator of what maturity is and how can we measure maturity. Maturity has got everything to do with the Word. Now watch this. Uh, I don't know where it popped up on my um, feed, my YouTube feed. Yeah, because I... Often just going through YouTube videos, trying to find uh, worship videos and things like that. And I popped this um, video. I'm trying to think. I don't even remember what it was called. But it was of a so-called prophet staging a miracle. And so I was like, it's two minutes, let me watch this. <laughs> I was like, let's go. And this guy walks down the stairs. Dead silent. It's definitely him. Has anyone seen this? Walks down the stairs and then... As he, as he gets down to the, 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 the last three steps, the camera focuses in just on his leg area, on his feet, and all of a sudden he's walking on air. And you can see the shadows of two people obviously coming to grab him under his arms to move him forward as he walks on the air. And then all of a sudden his feet go down, and the camera zooms out, and it's just him in the room. 
And it's like, <laughs> News24 was actually posting this video of, uh, of a, they said self-proclaimed prophet. And I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> like it gives Christianity such a bad name. But the point is, is like a lot of people are, um, uh, um, what you call it, hoodwinked, are, are kind of tossed about by people like that because they can manufacture something. The same guy, because uh, the next one popped up after that, <laughs> the same guy was uh, calling someone out of the crowd and, 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 and giving some words and things like this. And, and you could see, like, he knows this guy. So it's not like he just knows his name and his doesn't know his name and randomly pulled someone out. And, and then he randomly pulls out someone's iPad and says, I'm going to take a spiritual picture of your children and of your wife. And so he's like this in the air. And you can see him double tap on this random iPad to pick up the last pictures that were taken. And then he shows and it's the, the, the guy's family. And it's just like, come on, you know. And yet people are crying in the audience because of this miracle which isn't such a miracle. It reminds me of when on one of our mission trips we met one of these guys and um, he uh, uh, tried to tell the guy, uh, one of the guys on our team, how many people were in his family. And he was like, come on, man. Like, I know how many people are in my family. Do you know I can tell you your phone number? He says, I know my phone number. What? <laughs> you know, why would I want you to tell me? Like, show me something more real than that. Anyway. The point is, is that we can be tossed about, okay? And this is talking about with teaching. And then it says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. So you can often hear something that sounds good, it sounds like truth, but it could be just a lie, and it's trying, they're trying to pull us off. <coughs> and so we've got to be established in the truth of the Word. We've got to grow up and study the Word to understand what's true so we don't get just led astray for example i mean there, there's well, let me not give examples now in case it's your favorite thing but there, there's many things in the body of christ which are very popular but if you look in the word it's not accurate so you've got to i would say compare everything against jesus that's the simplest way to do it look at jesus and go is this something jesus would promote is this something that I can see in Jesus or not? That's maybe just very basic and you'd have to add some conditions to that. But at, at its simplest form, I think that's the easiest way to judge something. But moving on, we start with the Word. We need to gain correct knowledge of truth. We need to accept the knowledge of that truth, of that, the, the, the correct knowledge as truth. And then we need to allow um, a truth to shape us and that's when maturity starts to happen. So maturity starts with correct knowledge, accepting that knowledge, and then allowing that, that uh, knowledge to shape us. What do I mean by that? Allowing it to shape the way we see God. A lot of people base their view of God on their experiences in life. If you base your view of God on experiences in life, then you're never going to be mature. Your, your, your view of God needs to be based on what the Bible reveals, not what experiences seem to reveal. For example, last year, some of you were there, uh, uh, I was uh, ministering at a funeral for a, I think a 29-year-old um, who was killed in a, a, a car accident. And um, it was amazing because before I got up to minister, um, the guy's wife, um, the deceased's wife got up and she, uh, she spoke. And so did the sister-in-law speak before I did. And both of them said, this wasn't God. This was an accident. 
So both of them knew the truth from the word. And then I got up and I, it was easy for me then because they laid the foundation for me. And I said, God doesn't kill people. <laughs> he didn't do this. God doesn't drive trucks. He doesn't cause truck drivers to, to lose focus. He doesn't do things like that. You know, and then I unpacked that and then many more words. I explained that. And afterwards, I was amazed how many Christians came up to me and said, they've never heard something like that before. Why? Because they're not in the Word. They're only listening to what the, the Dwemini is saying or the pastor is saying. They're only interested in, in tradition, really. It's important that we allow truth to shape the way we see God, the way we see ourselves. And then the way we pray, the way we, we do life, the way we make decisions. That's how maturity comes. We get truth through knowledge, we accept it, and we allow it to do something. We allow it to transform us, to change us. Okay, so what about feelings? You know, feelings aren't bad, but we cannot, we cannot allow feelings to determine what we believe about anything. Okay? We, feelings are determined by our beliefs. What we believe determines our feelings. So, you know, you can believe that I'm a, a mean person and every time you try and interact with me or try and message me or phone me or whatever, then you're going to have this maybe negative experience, not because I bark at you, but because you're trying to avoid me or walking on eggshells or something like that. So, you know, it's really got a lot to do with how we then act, um, what we believe determines how we act. So we need to change our beliefs if we want to change our feelings. Is there something in your life that you don't feel, that, that, that you feel about something, but you don't like it like that? You want to change that. Then it needs to go down to the root of what do you believe, okay? And change that. Put it in line with what God's Word says. We mustn't allow ourselves to be led or governed by feelings. We need to be governed by truth. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. We looked at this last week. It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto a knowledge of the truth. So basically what we got out of this last week was we said, um, the will of God starts with salvation. Every single person on the face of the earth, God has a, a will for them. Number one, get saved. Okay? He doesn't have anything else for an unbeliever to do until they're saved. They might do some good things. We appreciate that. But God's will is, is the, what, is, what He desires for all men is what's most important for them. What's most urgent for them. And that is salvation. And that what's followed up after salvation is spiritual growth or coming to a knowledge of the truth. This is, the, 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 this, is, this is talking about maturity. Coming to a knowledge of the truth. Okay, and that's what we're going to be unpacking a little bit. But if your spiritual growth is the most important thing on God's heart for you every year, not just this year, but every year, then what do you need to do to grow spiritually? Because it doesn't happen by accident. But how can you position yourself to grow spiritually? Okay? Our purpose is spiritual growth. So, you know, what... And if, if God's purpose is salvation and then spiritual growth, why is spiritual growth more important than most of our goals? Because spiritual growth influences all our 
life, all of our goals. It influences everything. It influences the workplace. It influences a lot of things. So a lot of the sideline issues of life, we've made, made mainline issues of life or central importance, and we need to kind of do some reprioritizing and put on the side some things that aren't central and then embrace some of the, or embrace something that most of us put as a sideline issue, and that is my growth in my relationship with God. <clears throat> so just looking at salvation uh, quickly, we looked at it a bit uh, last week as well. But salvation, you know, the wonder of salvation is that it's, the simplicity of it is amazing. It's simply just believing a message about Jesus. That's salvation. It's not doing this and that, the next thing, you know. <clears throat> I can't remember who it was, but I saw some social media influencer. Um, um, this month, I think, they, 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 they're exploring all the major religions in the world and kind of like digging into what's the best thing about them. Uh, I, I actually should go and check it out. It would be interesting to see what he comes up with. I'm not too sure what his, um, what's his motivation with that is. Uh, but he's traveling around the world to be able to do this. And I thought that's quite interesting. But the thing with it is, is like when you get to Christianity, a lot of people put a lot of stuff on there that shouldn't be there. You, you travel in Europe, and if you're Christian, you're, everyone assumes you're Catholic. And by Catholic, we mean Pope and crucifix and um, confession and all sorts of things. And in Belgium, they automatically think um, pedophilia. Be you know, that was our biggest problem there. Because as soon as we would, we would uh, start ministering to someone, we would have to say, we're not Catholic. Because the Catholic Church, there's a big scandal that happened and all this. And they're, they're busy selling off the buildings at the moment because nobody wants to go there anymore. It's a big thing that they've got going on there at the moment. So anyway, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 17, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear it without a preacher? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is the message of Christ or the gospel. Okay, so point I wanted to bring out with that is that... <clears throat> We don't get saved by feelings. We don't get saved because we're good. We don't get saved because of anything except a message that we choose to believe. That message changes us, but it's just simply a message that we believe. It's, it's being persuaded of information. Okay? A lot of us think that revelation is something that um, all of a sudden it's like, and you can't control it. It's just something that happens to you and it's like, Wow! It's more of this. You're presented with evidence and now you need to choose to accept or reject it. You know, I've been doing a lot of research and um, preparing some discipleship material on um, apologetic stuff. So looking at the reasons for the Bible and the existence, uh, proving the existence of God apart from the Bible, looking at the evidence for the, 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 the resurrection um, and things like that. And it's amazing if you look at all of that You'd be a fool not to be a Christian <laughs> because there's just so much evidence. And then I was looking at writers from, that aren't Christian from the first and second century. And online, it's quite awesome to have the uh, internet and be able to look up stuff like this. But you can go read through works. There, there's, there's one Roman officer who wrote to the emperor to ask how he must deal with these Christians who he's arrested. And in the, the letter that he writes, because he was like, 
um, they, he didn't know how to deal with them, so he, he basically told them to, to um, deny their faith, and they wouldn't, so he, he executed them. And I'm just writing to find out if I did the right thing. <laughs> it's like it's too late for that question, buddy. But in that letter, he, um, he uh, uh, confirms, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a legal document, he confirms the existence of Christ, and he confirms that um, uh, the Christians were kind of peace, peaceable, that they were loving people, that they weren't causing any problems, but they were just not prepared to worship the emperor or Caesar. And so there's a lot of evidence and things like that to support the foundations of our faith. Anyhow, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 <coughs> says, It is the same with you. You heard the true message. So you heard a message, the good news about the way God saves you. When you heard that good news, you believed in Christ. So you accepted a message, right? You're persuaded of information. And in Christ, God put His special mark on you by giving you the Holy Spirit that He promised. So this is showing us that you believed a message, you were persuaded of a message, and then you got the Spirit of God to come and dwell in you. So receiving the gospel is receiving a person, it's starting a relationship with Jesus, it's being united with Him forever, but it starts with just being convinced, being persuaded. Okay? Um, what, I, what I want to pull out with all of that is that knowledge is important. Or you could say knowledge is vital. Okay? It's essential. Knowledge. Now... If you're like me, before I prepared this message, the first thing I um, uh, um, kind of default to when I say knowledge is, is vital, knowledge is important, the first thing I want to follow up with is the statement, knowledge puffs up. <laughs> and, you know, to kind of show that you shouldn't, the most important thing for you shouldn't be knowledge. But I want to kind of debunk that for a moment. Because in the Bible, when, um, when it uses the word knowledge, it uses the word epignosis. In the Greek, okay, and why that's important is because sometimes there's different words for different, like for knowledge that are used. But epignosis, when you look at the definition for epignosis, it helps us understand the importance of knowledge itself. Okay, so this word is used in a number of New Testament letters, and I just want to pull out a few of the verses from different letters. Romans chapter ten, verse two. It says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So Paul's writing about the Jews, and he's saying the Jews are passionate about God, but not according to knowledge. Meaning, they're doing all these passionate things, but the foundation is wrong. And so it's misdirected. The same thing can be said about a lot of Christians. They're passionate about God. But because their passion isn't based on knowledge, they, worship, they think they're worshipping God, but because it's not based on the correct knowledge, they're passionately doing the wrong thing. An example. Some of you have seen people like this. I've seen two or three in, in, in Cape Town and in Stellenbosch before. Um, if, if it was ever you, I love you. So I apologize <laughs> if this was ever you standing with that big placard that says sinners going to hell and then it names all these people who've done this and that the next thing and it says you're all going to hell and it mentions a few ministers on there as well that the guy doesn't like they're all going to hell and he all he does is he stands on the street corner doesn't say anything you can go and try and talk to him he doesn't usually talk 
because this is the bravest he can be is just holding this placard and just trying to get them like repent or you're going to hell because of this and that the next thing and it's like he's taken some bible verses butchered them put them on a a, a placard and he's doing something that he thinks is helpful but it's not actually helpful at all because that's not how we preach the gospel so that's an example of misdirected zeal or passion ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 so uh, let me read it that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give to you his the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him speaking about knowledge and how important knowledge is uh, Paul's prayer, prayer for us there is that the spirit that brings revelation, which brings uh, wisdom, uh, sorry, wisdom and revelation, uh, 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 well, sorry, the spirit that brings revelation and wisdom would give us knowledge of Christ because that epignosis, which I'll define for you in a moment, helps us go deeper in our relationship with God. Okay, Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says, For this reason we also, since we heard, uh, heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god second timothy chapter 3 verse 7 all i, I like this one always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth now there's a context here the Passion puts it like this. They are always learning, but never discovering the re revelation knowledge of truth. The New Living puts it like this and says, Such women, because it's talking about women specifically in a context, not women in general. Okay? Uh, Such women are forever following new teachings and are never able to understand truth. So what this is revealing is that there's truth, there's epignosis. Okay? Epignosis would be a precise, accurate, correct knowledge. Precise, accurate, correct knowledge. Okay? So there's a correct, precise, accurate knowledge, which if we don't have this, and we're just consuming different teaching and going for it, we actually become troublemakers. Why? Because I used to be like this. <laughs> All of the things I believed didn't make sense when you put them together. And then you're just going around with all of these hammers, different hammers for different things. You've got one for healing, you've got one for <laughs> sovereignty of God, you've got one for prayer, and you've got one for holiness. And, and you know, depending on who you're dealing with, you're just going to knock them with it. And you just start beating people with all these little truths, teachings that you have, which are half-truths, and you mix them all together, and what have you got? Something nobody wants to eat. So anyway, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, uh, of, our, of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. So there's a knowledge about Jesus that we have to come to. Precise, accurate, correct information that we have to come to about Jesus. We'll all agree there's a lot of people in the world and even a lot of people in different churches that don't have precise, accurate, correct knowledge about God. One P, uh, 2 Peter 1.8 For if these things are yours and abound, you will ne uh, neither, uh, be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's showing us that if we've got the right knowledge, the epignosis, the correct, accurate, precise information or knowledge it's going to cause fruitfulness 
That's why the right information is so important. Because we want fruitfulness. Okay? The, uh, Jesus in Mark chapter 4 called the gospel a seed. Okay? If you plant a seed, what happens? It, whatever you plant, it grows. But if you plant the wrong seed, the right thing doesn't grow. Whatever you plant grows. Okay? I know this is deep. But think about it for a moment. If we've got a tainted message, if we've got a message which isn't accurate, so now we're presenting uh, uh, information or knowledge which is not precise, accurate information, what's going to happen? The receiver is not going to experience the fruitfulness that they should have. And that's one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ. Is we've got uh, uh, messages and teachings and doctrine which isn't complete, precise, accurate knowledge. And so that's why a lot of people are not experiencing what God's got for them. One of the reasons. But epignosis is, is a Greek word to describe a first-hand experience. Okay, it's used for an eyewitness account. Something you saw. Something you experienced. Okay, something that you can explain accurately. It deals with facts, figures, and the details. So, when you got saved, you heard that Jesus died for your sins, for example. And you're like, wow, Jesus died for my sins, I'm forgiven. Uh, I just have to receive this gift, and I'm saved. Okay, now I've got eternal life. And that, that's kind of, that's enough. Amen? <laughs> it's enough to get saved. Okay, so it's like, wow, that's great, I'm saved. But now in epignosis, coming to a knowledge of the truth. Remember, that's salvation, the first part. I'm forgiven and all this, you've got the basics of the gospel. But now, God's will isn't just that you're saved and you're stuck. His will is that you mature and be fruitful. So how do you mature and be fruitful? Come to a knowledge of the truth. Come to an epignosis of the truth. What is epignosis? Correct understanding, a correct, accurate understanding, precise knowledge of the truth. So, you know, this is explaining what happened to you when you received Christ and starting to, to grow in these things. So, you know, you'll grow. Every single one of us grows in age, right? Yes. When last did you have a birthday? The last year, time you had a birthday. And that shows that you're growing in age. But the, the, the age, while age is automatic, uh, spiritual maturity is not. Spiritual maturity is not uh, automatic. It's deliberate. It's got to have some effort put into it. It's got to have some action involved in it. Growing spiritually means to grow in knowledge. Means to grow in understanding. Correct, uh, accurate, precise knowledge. So it's growing in how you think. Growing in what you think. I don't know if you maybe thought this, but a lot of people think spiritual maturity has got to do with how much Bible you read, or how much you fast, or I don't know. Some people will go and like do things to kind of sacrifice themselves, not sacrifice themselves, but punish themselves. Like walking on glass, or... Um, I met one guy at a wedding once, that, uh, a wedding I did. I don't know why they put him at our table. Maybe they thought it would be a good match. But they put us at this guy. Uh, if it's this again, is anyone in the room or a loved one? I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, he, um, he went on this, I don't know how many thousands of kilometers journey, just walking. 
he just felt like he had really done some things wrong. And he told us, he wouldn't tell us what they were, Marna and I were sitting with him, he wouldn't tell us what they were, but he said, you know, it was really bad what I did. And it became public knowledge in the town that he was in. So much so it ended up on the front page of the, the, the Sunday newspaper. And so he was humbled. Humbled like big time. And, um, and he came to Christ in all of that, praise God. He became a Christian because he needed redemption, obviously, like everybody. And um, in that moment, he really felt like he must walk from the Cape to Pretoria. And I was trying to like, understand why. And I realized in talking to him, the reason he wants to do this is because he feels like he's got to pay for something. And he told us there was a couple times he would just collapse on the side of the road and someone would randomly come and pick him up and take him to a hospital. So he nearly died a couple times because apparently Jesus told him to do something like that. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, maybe Jesus did. I'll say this, Jesus probably didn't. How do I know that? Because he didn't study the word at all before he decided to make a big decision and say, God told me to. Nobody who doesn't know the word can say, God told me to, because they're going to be deceived. This is a good lesson for all of us, because a lot of us like to say, I feel God's told me X, Y, and Z. And then you don't know the true nature of God maybe completely, or you're a bit confused about, does God kill people actually? You know, or what about this? Does God want people sick? You know, it's like you don't know God's true nature and that's something we're going to get into in coming weeks. But it's like, if you don't know God's nature, how can you be sure you're hearing His voice? If you think He's bad sometimes and sometimes good, somewhere in you hearing from Him, you're going to think, He's telling me something bad. Like, think about it for a moment. Have you ever thought that maybe God was telling you that He's unhappy with you about something you're doing? Like... And he says, you know, this, this sin that you've got, you, I'm really not, I'm, I'm angry about this. I can tell you now that it wasn't God. I sat with a, a, a doctor in theology. <laughs> I sat with a doctor in theology uh, who uh, was a, or is a, I don't know if he still is, but a full-time missionary. <clears throat> and he told me his story. I don't know if anyone here was there with me, but he told us a story about how he got into ministry. He was on his deathbed. And he said, Jesus, if you allow me to live, I will serve you. And Jesus came to him and said, if you don't repent, I'm going to kill you. And so he repented and he went into ministry. And I could say to him, that wasn't Jesus. Of course it was. You weren't there. I was like, I know, but according to the word that you apparently got a doctorate in, I can tell you, God doesn't kill people. And Jesus isn't going to threaten to kill you because you wouldn't repent of I don't even know what. God doesn't work like that. See, he came to an understanding of words in a book, but he didn't come to an epignosis of a person. Okay? So, we need to grow in our understanding of how God thinks. Grow in the way we appreciate the word. So what... Do you do, what do you know about God? What do you know about salvation? What do you know about your identity in Christ? And then I'll ask you, how do you know that? How do you know that? 
Because I've had it before. I, I remember um, uh, when I was just out of school, I had a vision. And in this vision, God was telling me to do this and doing that. And I went to my past and I said, listen, I had this vision. It was like I was lying on my bed. My eyes were open and I could see this. And I'm excited because I had an experience. I'm immature, but I've had an experience. And I'm like, God told me to do this. And he's like, I can tell you now that that wasn't God. I'm so thankful for that. He told me straight up. He was like, I can't see that God would tell you to do something that um, contradicts the word. And he said, but let's pray about it together. So we we prayed about it for the next couple of weeks, months. And I think he was hoping I would just forget about it. But I went back to him and I was like, what about this? And then we had to deal with it. But the point is, is that if you don't understand the word, if you're coming to that epignosis, you can be misled. So how do you know what you know? You know that your pursuit of the word of God leads to your spiritual growth. Your pursuit of the word of God is your spiritual growth. So we mustn't be satisfied with a shallow understanding of God's word. We mustn't be satisfied with a poem on a Sunday. (laughs) We mustn't be satisfied without going deep. Because your level of depth in the word determines your level of depth in relationship with God. Your level of depth in the word will determine your level of depth in knowing God. And then your fruitfulness as a believer. Your fasting, prayer, visions, dreams, I don't know what else, singing, giving. None of that stuff can grow you. That stuff's important, some of it. But it can't grow you. So, spiritual growth. Let's look at a a, a verse here quick. 1 Peter 2, 2 2-3. It says, In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave uh, the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. Especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh, and have uh, experienced his kindness that you may grow you don't know grow by activity the last part there is my my comment you don't grow by activity you get active when you are growing okay, that's not in the bible that's shane's uh, edition uh, or edited uh, version there it's my first point in there but if you look at that it's it's speaking about how to grow uh, uh, spiritually Okay, and the point there is that you don't grow by activity, by doing lots of things. You don't grow by being at church every week. You, don't, you, you can, because you're receiving the word, but a lot of people are busy with things and not growing. Why? Because uh, the, it's the other way around. Our activity in life needs to come from our growth in the Lord. Okay, growth comes through the word, and activity is a result of that growth. So how do we grow in the word is the question. Okay, You can have an experience with God, but that doesn't indicate maturity. And it doesn't bring maturity. That guy who walked from here to Pretoria had an experience with God. He almost was with God forever. (laughs) Okay, He was on his deathbed at one point. And yet, when I met him, I could honestly say that a year after that experience that he had, he was still not more mature. Like he offered, (laughs) he said, I can come and speak at your church if you want. Here's my card. And I said, thank you. 
That's all I said. I was like, this guy doesn't have a clue. There's no chance I'm going to put him at the pulpit. Yeah? So many of you who come regularly, I'd rather give you the pulpit because you, you're going to say something of worth. He's probably going to get to talk about your commitment to God. Whenever someone's talking about how much, I'm challenging you, how committed are you to God? You must watch it. There's something missing there. We need to be committed to God. But maturity will focus more on, yes, as a maturity, I'm, as, as, as I'm maturing, I'm like, I'm going to commit more. I'm going to step into more. That's definitely maturity. But someone who's mature isn't going to try and put uh, 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 mature decisions on an infant. What do we do when we're raising up infants? We have to mature them to the place where they can handle that type of uh, uh, commitment. Okay, so what in the kingdom helps us to get to that place of commitment? Experiencing the love of God. Growing in the love of God. Realizing who I am. Realizing who He is. It's, it's everything I've just said already. When we come to an epignosis, a correct, accurate understanding of who God is, who we are, what we have in Him, our identity in Him, what's going to happen? You're going to have the capacity to step into more. You're going to have the capacity to be able to do things that a mature believer can do. But if you don't know those things, you're going to get squashed. You're going to burn out. You're going to fizzle out. You're not going to be able to handle it. So, the knowledge that we're seeking for growth is, like I said, epignosis in the correct knowledge about Christ. Spiritual growth is growing in our knowledge of Him. And obviously, that's how we grow in relationship with Him. You know, we, we would normally you'd hear people say, you want to grow in your relationship with God? Spend more time with Him. Amen. But you can, like some people prefer to just go and spend time with God and they just talk. They just pray. They just talk. That's not going to grow you. <laughs> What's going to grow you is you spend time with God in the Word. And most people can't grow from spending time in the Word. I said that. Most people cannot grow by spending time in the Word alone. And God didn't set it up. He didn't set up life for you to grow by yourself. Ephesians 4, 11, He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the maturity of the body of Christ. So, the church is here to help you grow. You, don't, you should not try and grow yourself. We grow together. Okay? That's God's plan. That's God's desire is that we grow together. So some people say they have a mature relationship with God, but when tragedies of life hit, they get angry with God. Nobody here, obviously. Let me ask a question. Was Jesus ever angry with God? He was angry with a couple of religious people, but he was never angry with God. So if Jesus is our standard of maturity, then anger at God is an indication of immaturity. Anger towards God is a, a, an indication of a lack of epignosis. 
It's, it's a fruit of not knowing God. Because if we know God, we're like, we know He wouldn't kill someone. We're not standing, we didn't stand last year in, in March at a 29-year-old's funeral because God had anything to do with that. At that funeral, I said, God didn't take him home, but he welcomed him home. That's how you understand where God was involved there. God didn't kill him, but he welcomed him into eternity because he was a believer. Ephesians 4.13 Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this is showing... Now, look at where we are. The address is Ephesians 4, 13. If you look up in your Bible, the first couple of verses, it says in verse 11, He gave the leadership giftings of the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And now it's saying that the leadership in the church's responsibility is to mature you. I'm sure many of us have had situations like that growing up, naturally, and then also maybe in the church where we had leaders or our parents challenging us and saying, hey, um, this is wrong, you need to do this. Or, I don't like your attitude, or I don't know what, you know, something like that. And it was the most comfortable moment you ever experienced, right? Now, Etienne doesn't mind uh, um, me sharing this, but like I remember in the first year of having Grace Life, and he was one of our key people who was just helping with everything and serving and growing in leadership, and I had to pull him aside because he wasn't, he, he, was, he was missing the mark in terms of um, uh, being late, dropping the ball and just not following through and being faithful. And I had to say to him, you're off the team. I had to, to, to kind of drop, like, drop that bombshell and say, you're not being faithful. You can't be a leader. I'm taking you off the team. And I said, but prove me wrong. He didn't feel great in that moment. He didn't feel like a million bucks and he didn't feel like, wow, this is amazing. But what happened? He, because of the challenge of, of maturing that happened in, in that environment, he stepped into it and he grew exponentially after that. And within a month, I could pull him aside and say, you're ready to come back. You've proven yourself, you've shown this, you've done that, and, and that's awesome. And so this verse is showing us that the aim is to come to the full knowledge, the full epignosis of the Son of God, of Jesus. That's what spiritual maturity is, knowing Jesus. Living like Jesus because we know Jesus. Okay? So how do I know if I'm growing as a believer? You need to ask yourself, what do I know as a believer? That's a good question, firstly. Okay? <coughs> Often we look at ourselves and we're like, Am I growing as a believer? And we automatically look at our behavior. Okay? Some of you might have um, New Year's resolutions to deal with certain behavioral things. And you're like, I want to deal with this behavior and that behavior and whatever. These habits and things like that. And the problem with that is that every behavior we have is rooted in something. It's an indicator of a belief that we have. And so you can't... Christianity and the gospel is not behavior modification. Church is not about you trying to change your actions. It's about you trying to change your mind. Coming to the, the correct knowledge. Now, for you to get saved, you had to change your mind and come to epignosis. You were, 
you, you had epignosis presented to you, correct, accurate information, and now you had to embrace it. And then you were saved. Now, the, the, the journey of maturity for the believer is coming to know the Word, what the Word says, and then embracing it. And as we, be, uh, we change our beliefs about who God is, about who we are, about what we have in Him, about our identity in Christ, all of that, what happens? We mature. And we start to act differently. We don't change the fruit, we change the root. <laughs> Excuse me. So, to change our behavior, which is just an indicator, we need to change our thinking. So it starts in your thinking. Heart belief is primary to behavior. Now, if you're beating your spouse, stop it. <laughs> if you're hurting someone, stop it. It's not good to do those things, okay? Like, I'm not saying ignore behavioral problems and just focus on what you believe. We're not saying that. Someone always comes up to me afterwards and says, so are you saying? I'm not saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is... Stop things that are hurting yourself and other people. Yes. And if you have to white-knuckle it, white-knuckle it. But don't focus on the actions. Focus in on the heart. Change your heart and you can change your lives. The gospel isn't here to tell you you have to clean up. The gospel cleans you up. Now you have to come to a knowledge of how clean you are and then you'll experience the change. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 21 says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... The Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. So this is Paul's prayer for us. He says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of His calling. So, <coughs> you can go and read the rest of this, but what I want to point out here is Paul is praying that we would come to an understanding. And understanding is epignosis. He wants us to learn something. He wants us to know something. He's not saying that you would have more of God in your life. He's not saying that you would feel more of God in your life. He's not saying that you would have more money or I don't even know what. But what he is saying is he wants us to know what we've got in Christ. That's what we need to, how, what we need to grow in as believers uh, uh, more than anything else. So spiritual growth is coming to a precise, accurate, precise knowledge. Yeah, a growing Christian is somebody who's growing in the Word. Like I said earlier, your pursuit of the Word is your pursuit of spiritual growth. You know what this shows us? Spiritual growth is not accidental. It's intentional. And your spiritual growth is your responsibility. It doesn't just drop on you and all of a sudden like, wow, someone just matured like out of thin air. Isn't that amazing? There's a lot of growth that takes place. Growth takes place behind the scenes. Okay, 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. <coughs> says, In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. I just thought of a weird tradition we could start. <laughs> you can let your mind run wild. I was just thinking of people crying just before the Word. I don't want that, but I thought that's funny. Anyway. Moving swiftly along. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity. Fully nourished and strong for life. 
especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh and have experienced His kindness. And again, Shane's addition at the end there, that you may grow. You don't grow by activity, you get active when you are growing. The point that this verse is pointing out is that we need to desire growth, we need to plan for growth, we need to pursue growth. Okay? So a question popped up for me with all of that, and that was, what is holding me back from growth this year? What is holding me back from growth this year? And how should I deal with those issues? How should I deal with those issues? You know, this is, is really important. The whole, the whole message I've been talking about is basically Romans chapter 12, renewing your mind without even mentioning that. That's a verse we'll get to next week maybe. But the point that I'm making is that our spiritual growth is dependent on what we know about Jesus. Not just what do we know. And so we need to pursue it. We need to crave it like, how does it put it there? Like an infant nursing for milk. We need to intensely crave the word, the truth. And when we're confronted with truth, we need to embrace it and allow it to change us. A lot of people see like uh, um, Christianity as this. It's, here's your to-do list. Now you've got to live up to it. Now you've got to change. You need to be like this. But, I mean, I, I sat with someone who had a whole host of issues in their life and they said to me, I, they'd been to many different ministry schools or Bible schools and, and they came to me and I sat with them and then they said, um, uh, I suppose I just, I know these things, I know the truth, I just need to do the truth. And I realized how wrong that was as it came out of their mouth. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So what makes you free? The truth when you know it. So what's your job in that equation? Come to know the truth. Epignosis. If you come to know the truth, then the result or the fruitfulness of that is you start to walk in freedom. You will start to experience Christianity like it was meant to be lived. That affects your family, your relationships. It affects your business, your career, your workplace, it affects everything in your life, starts to be affected by how your relationship with God is doing. And your relationship with God is only ever doing as well as your epignosis, your understanding. Amen? So the challenge there is really for us to, to ask the question of what's holding me back from getting epignosis? How can I get more epignosis? And what do I need to do to facilitate that or let go of you know i actually used that verse last week where paul says pressing towards what lies ahead and forgetting what lies behind that's a that's a good uh, a verse for this as well what do i need to leave behind and what do i need to embrace in order to get hold or, or grow the way that god wants me to grow and the way that god wants us to grow is for us for our benefit it's not just because he expects this of you but he desires it for you because he's a good father. Amen. We trust this teaching has blessed you and enriched you in your faith. We want to invite you to contact us, whether you need prayer, whether you have a question. 
can contact us online www.gracelife.co that's www.gracelife.co you can find a whole bunch of free teachings online you can also find out how to partner with us should you wish to support this ministry and you can find out how to contact us if you have a prayer request we invite you to contact us www.gracelife.co